Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and this is Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. Um, and we are going to be talking today about Econ 101. That's right. This is Chuck's favorite subject. <laughs> I think this and um, physics. I know. I know why I hate econ. Why? Because I, I just money. I'm, I hate money and some some tough economists beat you up once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, just money. The whole thing. Ugh. Like Emily pays all our bills. I can't even. If I had to do that. Yeah, you no said way. she's the CFO, right? Yeah. If I had to be the CFO, then we'd be in big trouble. Yeah. Because I just I don't like it. I don't like anything about it. Well, this is more um, less household economics, more macroeconomics. Yeah, this is interesting. I thought this is uh, there's there's a historical battle involved. The seventies, people yeah. in bell bottoms, probably Jimmy Carter makes yeah. an appearance. Um, Ronald Reagan, everybody. That's the whole cast of characters. <laughs> Let's do it. Stagflation. Well, Chuck, I was reading an article, um, as is my way, um, about rampant inflation in 2011. Yeah. And basically this guy named Michael Snyder um was is is warning that we're going to see I think as he puts it inflation that we've never seen before in the US. And inflation's this huge boogeyman where money buys less yeah. because prices rise. Yeah. And there's all sorts of reasons it comes about, but one of the one of the if you look at classic economics, mm-hmm. the reason why inflation tends to happen is that there's too much of something, right? So the old supply and demand. Right. You have, in this case, too much money right. on the market. Therefore, since money's subject to supply and demand, more money there is on the market, the cheaper it is because there's more of it. So right. demand goes down. Sure. Prices go up, right, mm-hmm. for the, the cost of goods. And services. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you have inflation. Yes. What this guy's warning about is that um, airline fares for the past holiday season were 30% more than they were the year before. I noticed. Uh, price of food has been increasing. I've noticed. Um, there's been uh, double-digit health insurance premium race, raises. I haven't noticed. I don't think that that has anything to do with inflation. I think that's just the insurance companies punishing the U.S. Okay. <laughs> um, he also he, he gives some other stats. Cotton, 40% increase. Beef, up 23%. Pork, up 68%. Hides are up 25%. Did you know that? I didn't know hides. Run for the hills, high. Chuck. Yeah. The hides are up 25%. Um and food prices especially are kind of a problem when inflation occurs because you need food to eat. Yeah, sure. That's very sensitive. And the USDA released their figure saying basically like, yes, pork's going to rise some, beef's going to rise some, but overall the uh, food cost inflation is going to be like 1%, which is definitely doable. If you look at the government statistics, right, mm-hmm. our inflation is pretty much at zero, maybe 1%. Which right is, now? Yeah, which is actually less than healthy. You want things to increase. You want inflation to take place, but you want it to plod along at a very slow, steady rate. Inflation is the reason why up to, say, 2007, uh, a house grew in value over 30 years. 
thanks yeah. to inflation. You paid X number of dollars for it, and it be increased in value in large part because of inflation. So inflation is good as long as it's under control. Hyperinflation is really bad. The worst thing of all, though, is stagflation. And if inflation happens right now, we are prime in a, in a prime seat for stagflation, which would be very, very bad. Do you want to tell everybody what stagflation is? Can I give a couple of stats? Sure. Because these will inform uh, later on when, when we're talking about inflation. Uh, July 2008 uh-huh. is when it peaked in the last, let's just say, decade. What, inflation? Yeah. July 2008, it peaked at 5.6%. So keep that number in mind. Okay. I'm going to write it down. And uh, December of last year, so just a, a couple of short months ago, was about 1.5%. And the average for 2009 was negative 0.34%. Right. It's a negative percentage in 2009. And there's something to be said about deflation as well, because that money that you do have, if you have any, becomes much more valuable. Oh, that's right. So keep those numbers in mind as, as we proceed here. Uh, okay, I got them there. written down. Point, oh. <laughs> point three four, negative point three four. Uh, in 2009, mm-hmm. and we peaked in 2008 at 5.6, okay. which was a staggering number. I got them. Compared you to like everybody, you can ask me if you need a reminder <laughs> okay. later on. So stagflation, Josh, is not something that we made up, uh, even though I thought it was something you made up. It describes <laughs> uh, a, a really bad, perfect storm of mm-hmm. economic news. It's when you have high unemployment, right? Uh, slow growth, yep, coupled with high inflation. And this is something that people didn't think was possible. No. And, and let's, let's describe that. Let's point that out. Where we are right now, we have very high unemployment. I think it's at 10% nationally, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, getting better, but there. still, yeah, high. Slow economic growth, for sure. Uh, we're in a recession, yeah. after all. Still crawling out of it, trying to, at least. Right. We're in a, basically a stagnant economy, which means it's, it's growing very sluggishly or not growing at all. Yes. But our inflation is, is pretty good. Right. Thankfully. But, since we have those other two, like I said, we're in a prime spot for, if inflation does come along, we're in a prime spot for stagflation. The reason stagflation is so insidious, Chuck, is because it forms a vicious cycle, right? Yes. So you've got, um, you have high prices because of inflation, mm-hmm. which means that people can't spend as much money, or when they do spend money, it doesn't buy as much. Yeah, your dollar's shrinking, essentially. Okay, so you have a shrinking dollar. You have yeah. high unemployment, uh-huh. which means people have less money to spend. Sure. Right? means your savings aren't worth as much. Right, which ultimately leads to a sluggish economy, uh-huh. so there's no way to, to for this thing to naturally cycle out of it. Right. Like, this could keep going indefinitely, this horrible plodding along, what I think Carter called malaise- is that what he said? I think so. I believe it. Uh, economic slowdown is normal. People, don't, you know, a lot of people freaked out with the recession, but people who really knew about eco- uh, economics said recessions are kind of what corrects it in the end. Exactly. We've talked about this. Yeah. So don't freak out too much in our in our audio book. Yeah, we talked about how if you look at the economy is made up of like a forest. There's a big, heavy, huge trees. Yeah. Which represent really well managed businesses. And then you've got the underbrush, which are just kind of add-ons. They're they're artificial almost. They 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 shouldn't necessarily be there. They're kind of sucking off of the bubble speculation and artificially inflated uh, economy, right? Right. And then when the wildfire comes along, which is the recession, the um, underbrush is burned away. Right. And things correct themselves. Sure. It's a pretty um, dehumanizing way of looking at things, <laughs> it really but is. so is economics. Yeah, you're right. 
Uh, and prior to the 70s, people didn't think this was possible because of uh, our friend Mr. Keynes, John Maynard Keynes. With stagflation. Yeah. It wasn't even a word before the 70s. Yeah. Well, we should point out, too, it's a contraction of stagnant and inflation, if you didn't figure that out. Yes. So there that is. Somebody thought it was stag party and inflation. Oh, really? <laughs> Someone out there. Someone out there did. Yeah. Well, a lot of people thought bartering was bartending. I noticed that, that we got a lot of uh, suggestions for bartending podcasts yeah. all of a sudden after the bartering podcast. People got their whistle wet. So uh, if you're a Keynesian in your economic uh, theory, you're going to favor supply and demand, and you're going to think that's pretty much what it's all about. Demand is high. Uh, you got a booming economy. Prices are going to go up. Right. Inflation's going to rise some in relation to uh, the economy rising. Right. What, what you're talking about is the Phillips curve, right? Yeah, is that, is it, was that the Phillips curve? Yeah, so the, the x-axis of the Phillips curve is unemployment. Yes. And then the y-axis is inflation, right? Yeah, and that happened from about 58 to 73, post-war boom. Things were rising in that, in sort of a, not a one-to-one ratio, but evenly. Well, it even happened before then, like the Phillips curve is, is vetted. That, that, it is correct. Basically, as unemployment rises, uh-huh. Inflation goes down naturally, and if you have low unemployment, inflation rises. Mm-hmm. It, the converse is true, supposedly, right? Right. And the reason why is because when unemployment's high, demand is low. Mm-hmm. Therefore, inflation is down. Prices are low, so inflation's down. Right. And historically, this this holds up. If you go back and chart all this up to the seventies, this was this was the case. And that's how it is naturally. The problem is the Fed in the 60s thought, yeah. well, if we just keep unemployment artificially low, mm-hmm. we'll trade that off for slightly higher inflation, but we can keep on top of that. So we can expect high inflation and, and act accordingly, but we'll have artificially low unemployment or near full employment, which is where everybody's employed. Yeah, they basically thought the rate of inflation would rise in a safe manner that they could keep up with. Yes. Do you remember? I don't know if I've used this before, but do you remember um, that Simpsons where Homer brings home Pinchy the lobster? (laughs) Have I used this one before? I don't think so, but I love that episode. And puts Pinchy in the fish tank, Uh and Pinchy needs salt water, but the the goldfish needs fresh water. (laughs) So he keeps adding salt and then like regular water until they're both like half floating in the middle of the tank. trying to balance it, and you end up killing both. Right. But that's kind of what you have to do if you're going to get in and mm-hmm. regulate the economy. Yeah. If you're not just going to let it do its own thing, you have that's the that's the trick you have to do. To what keep... a scary job! Oh yeah, it's got to be terrifying. Can you imagine the pressure that like Bernanke and those who preceded him are under? Yeah, because I mean, history will make a villain or a monster or a hero out of you. Yeah, depending on what you do. Absolutely, you're not going to just do nothing. It, it, it's, you're going to leave an impression on, depending on what you did. Yeah. Like, you can't go in and lead the Fed and be like, I'm not doing anything. You know, it's two thumbs and wouldn't want that job? This guy right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you said they got it wrong. Yeah. They, they got the Philip, they got their interpretation of the Phillips curve wrong. Yeah. And what that produced is called a wage uh, price spiral. And, uh, we can get into more detail, but the long and short of it is that inflation rose faster than wages did. You want to know how? Let's hear it. Well, this is this is what basically bucked the Phillips curve is that through government spending, like the government can spend on uh, infrastructure, the public sector sure. to create yeah. jobs, uh-huh. right? Through government spending um, and through you know tax 
uh, policy that that forms um, the way the government can create or manipulate aggregate demand. Mm-hmm. Okay, if say for example you keep taxes low, yeah, and you increase consumer spending, mm-hmm. you can kickstart an economy, right? Yeah. Um, you keep unemployment low, you trade off for a higher rate of inflation like we saw they did. Right. That's fine. That can conceivably work. The problem is, is they put too much money into an economy. Right. They kept pumping money into the economy no matter what. And what they found was, like you said, the wage price spiral. And basically, it's where prices rise. Mm-hmm. So the, the, they, the Fed knew that inflation was going to happen. But when inflation happens, prices rise. Right. When labor is sitting there working their tail off and prices are rising, they make the assumption that that means that uh, industry, their bosses, right. their employers, are making gobs of cash. Well, labor says, we want some of that cash. So give us more Give us higher wages. Yeah, which they did to a certain degree. Right. But they couldn't keep up. But the problem with that, if you're, uh, if you're a captain of industry, is that if you pay more, that raises your cost of production. Right. Which means that you have to raise the price, which means that your employees need more money because of inflation. Right. And it creates this, again, another vicious cycle. Uh-huh. And that's the wage price spiral. It spirals upward. Yeah. And, um, basically, Eventually, employers stop increasing wages, and inflation just takes off. And we might have survived that, Josh, in the 70s. As bad as it was, we might have eked through if it uh, were not for the oil embargo of Mm -hmm. 1973, when everyone knows oil went through the roof, and that's not just, uh, you know... Sally at the gas pump. That's across all industry. Yeah. And it the that coupled with everything else going on, all of a sudden in 1970. Inflation was at 5.5%, mm-hmm. which in July 2008, I said it was 56 Yeah. So in 1970, they thought it was high at 5.5. 74, 12.2. And then it peaked at 13.3% in 1979. And again, most economists agree that you want an economy that's inflating at about 2% a year. This is 13%. Yeah, I mean, in t- July 2008, at 5.6%, people were freaking and imagine 13.3%. So basically, Carter's just standing around, just getting it from all sides. Sure. He's got hostages in Iran that he can't get get um, released. Um, he's got malaise forever. you got a stock market that basically stopped working. Right. He's got brownouts and lines at the gas pump. And, yeah, he's got a, an economy that's um, in out-of-control of inflation. He has no idea what to do, right? Then in steps this guy named Paul Volcker. Can I throw in one more stat? Yes, please. Uh, talked about the stock market. From 70 to 79, the S&P 500 returned an average of 5.9% annually. Not too shabby. <laughs> but when you've got uh, the inflation that you subtract, you're actually losing money. The entire market is losing money. 2.6%, right? 2.6 percentage points lower than inflation. So basically everybody who's throwing in on the stock market during that time yeah. was paying 2.6% in losses. Yeah. Not good. No, that's very bad, especially coupled with inflation. People, like you said, were freaking out, right? Okay. So bring us on to the, the savior of sorts. So Paul Volcker comes along, and you might recognize that name, Chuck. He's a, an economic advisor to Obama. That's right. Uh, and, but he 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 uh, got his chops as the head of the Fed, um, and in 1979, he basically says, okay, Keynesian liberal monetary policy is is done. It's failing us or we're falling apart right now. We have to try something else. And basically what they tried was the stuff 
that was created. It's it's called neoliberalism. It's created by a guy named Milton Friedman. Yes, and his basic formula was, uh, quote, too much money chasing too few goods. So right. the feds free up too much money uh, to circulate in the economy, and that's not a good thing. Right. So everything we see the Fed doing now is based on Friedman's economic policies. Yeah. Right? Um, remember we said that um, with with uh, the, the, the Fed in the 60s and then the 70s, yeah. um, that their whole thing was throw more money at it because that will increase spending, which will increase demand and yada, yada, everything will be fine. Sure. In the midst of this emergency, the what's considered the fatal flaw they made was that rather than start sucking up some of this money uh-huh. to make it more scarce and to hence make it more valuable, um, they they pump more money into it. Well, Volcker comes along using Friedman's ideas and mm-hmm. says, we got to get some money off of the market, yeah. so we're going to start buying it up. And what they did was they started issuing treasury bonds. They sold T-bills. That's how the government... Issues and um, and purchases debt, and that's how they control the amount of money on the market. You know that, yeah. That's Friedman's ideas. So when the economy is good, they're going to raise interest rates mm-hmm. to slow down uh, the flow of money, basically. Yeah, because a bubble's no better than a recession. Yeah, and the same in reverse. When the economy's tanking, they're going to lower the interest rate and say, "Hey, go out and buy a house because look how low it is." Exactly, which is exactly what they're doing right now. What we're seeing right now it was started in 1979, and it didn't really exist, at least in practice, in the United States before then. Right. Apparently, Friedman and his um, people tested out these theories, this neoliberalism, with um, in Chile when uh, Augusto Pinochet was, uh, really? and his U.S.-backed CIA coup uh-huh. um, took over. The uh, Friedman's Chicago school people went down there and were like, hey, let us help you set up this new economy. And test it out. Yeah, that's what happened in Iraq. Um, Apparently, it was designed to figure out how to get the U.S. mitts in other countries' coffers by setting up an economy that was very friendly to capitalism. Yeah. It happens here now, too. One of the results of it, Chuck, is when you cut off the flow of money, and this is the reason why they didn't, why the, the Fed in the 60s and 70s didn't think to do this. When you cut off the flow of money, that means companies have less money, right? Right. Demand goes down and people get laid off. Yeah. So since the focus of the Fed during the post-war boom and up into the late 70s was to keep unemployment as low as possible. Yeah, it was all on jobs at the time. Right. The way Friedman looked at it was the opposite. Like, no, you don't focus on that. You focus on keeping the economy growing at a manageable pace. Maybe don't worry quite so much about unemployment. As a result of that, you choke off money, unemployment goes up. So inflation, in fact, is what the current standards think controls the economy more so than the joblessness rate. Right. Interesting. Well, there's less uh, focus on on it, uh, although it is a, a factor and a cause for concern. It's oh, yeah, nothing sure. like it was as far as Fed monetary policy went in the 60s. The thing is, Friedman gets tons, Friedman and Volcker, get tons of credit. Right. But they fix the economy by kicking in, like basically kickstarting a recession. Yeah. And the recession was painful, but then inflation stabilized. So it does work, but you're going to have to go through an impression, in uh, a recession. Well, yeah. And the trick is, is the Fed has to predict the short term and the long term, and they have to identify when that, where that exact point is. Yep. Or maybe not exact, but pretty they close need to ballpark to it pretty close. Yeah. When they need to start controlling that money flow again. 
Yeah. And the interest rates and good lord, it's all in the hands of a few, isn't it? Right. Well, <laughs> if you if you raise interest rates too early, uh-huh. um, what you're going to do is stop borrowing. You're going to stop growth. Right. Right. So if your if your economy hasn't really been kickstarted and is on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're gonna you're gonna push it right back into a recession, a double dip recession, right? Yeah. Um, if you wait too long, then there's gonna be too much money on the market, right? Which is what that guy I was talking about at the beginning is worried about. That there's a lot of money in like cash reserves and banks and people hoarding it, but once it eventually hits the market, our inflation's gonna just go through the roof. Is right? he worried about stagflation? Does he think it's coming? He's worried about inflation, and if 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 we remain in these factors, then I'm saying. That would cause stagflation. Right. But um, I guess I got one last thing. What's, what you got? The irony of Friedman's success proves the Phillips curve works. Yeah. When he, when his policies carried out by Volcker kicked in unemployment uh-huh. and unemployment rose, inflation went down. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I've never felt so helpless in my life. Yeah, we're, we're in trouble. We're just a small but small little pieces in this whole puzzle. Yeah, we are. Um, that's why they call it macroeconomics. And that's why you're concerned with microeconomics. Well, yeah. Because we- you love your CFO. Exactly. <laughs> the end. And my house rate just reset lower, so I'm all, I'm all happy right now. I said the end. Oh, sorry. Uh, if you want to learn more about stagflation, um, can I borrow some money then, Chuck? No. Because that's going to be used to pay down other debt. Okay. <laughs> it's all a big vicious cycle like we talked oh, about. Oh, well, while we're on it, while you're talking about debt, um, FYI, if you have fixed debt, right? Yeah. Um, let's say you owe somebody twelve dollars. Best time to owe to pay that that money off is when inflation is high. Money's cheap and abundant. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, it's best to save when money's cheap. Right. Or when money's, money's expensive. expensive. Right. Yeah. All right. So that's it. Right. Truer words have never been spoken. That is it. If you want to uh, learn more about stagflation and see a really sad uh, line of. Uh, 1980s uh, auto workers in Detroit. You can type in stagflation in the search bar at howstuffworks.com. And as always, we encourage you to read all of our economics articles because they are fascinating. Uh, I said search bar, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that means it's time for a listener mail. Hey guys, how, uh, this is from Jason. How, hey guys, how's it going? I hope all is well. Catching up on the podcast, and Chuck mentioned that he had a big wheel but wanted a green machine. Well, my first memory, actually, is of a green machine. My friend Boomer got one, and my mom, Dot, who was the greatest mother ever, by the way, uh, and I lived in an apartment complex. She was sitting on the bench outside with her neighbor, and I went to the top of the hill to try this green machine out. Came down as fast as I could, because that's what you do, and uh, I could. Uh, I figured I would skid right out in front of the bench. I was going very fast, though, pulled the handbrake the last second, and the handbrake came off completely in my hand, and I remember thinking, uh-oh. Then I was in my neighbor's arms, running for the car as I crashed into the bench, busted my face and eye wide open. At the hospital, they had to put me in a straight jacket in order to stitch up my face. He was freaking out? I guess so. Uh, my eye was stuck shut for a few weeks, and my very next memory is the night my eye opened. I was at my grandmother Sis's house. <laughs> what? He's either talking about his great aunt or his grandmother was named Sis. Okay. Okay. Uh, when it opened, I was really excited. I showed my grandmother. She told me to shush. His Tic Tac Doe was on. <laughs> Remember that show? I love that show. Uh, LOL, he says. These moments made me laugh so hard. Thank you, Chuck and Josh, for talking about the Green Machine and letting me reminisce. 
That's from Jason in Baltimore, Maryland. Way to talk about the Green Machine, Chuck. It was the best. It's good news. I bet you could find those on the on the eBay. They'll cost you some money, maybe. So uh, if you've got, I got nothing. Do you have one? Oh, I don't know. Jerry got my Green Machine. How about if uh, you've got a story about someone, your nemesis, getting something that you deserved? Good one. <laughs> Very good one. Okay. What Chuck just said, wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, send it in an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?